Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Even though The Flash came out just a couple of weeks ago, I had a lot of time. A lot of time to reflect on everything that has transpired. From the reviews to everything that goes on behind the scenes to the numerous people watching on YouTube and Twitter. You know, the critics and the reviewers or the YouTubers or whatever have you will. Coming up with the excuses in terms of why this movie bombed. Why this movie has not done as well as we hoped it to be. I mean, let's be honest here. The fact that the movie has been delayed numerous times over. The fact that there is so much controversy, especially with the one person that the main actor. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're, we're going to get into that and so much more later on today. But this, in a way, was a doomed experiment. And it was bound to fail from the very beginning. There is no doubt about that. And this was DC's way, Warner Brothers or Warner Max. It was their way of being so desperate, so, so desperate in order to ensure that maybe, just maybe, if they put out a product, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about the controversies. They don't talk about the BS. They don't talk about anything. If they could just lay low, if they could just not say anything, That maybe us audience will forget about everything else and just enjoy the movie for what it is. Mm mm. Mm mm. No, sir. Mm mm. Nope, 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 nope. The thing is, there's been this age old question Are we suffering from superhero fatigue? And it's a very complicated answer and yet kind of simple at the same time. For one thing, superhero, superhero fatigue may apply to you directly. It could be, but I'm of the opinion from an outside perspective, and I even put this on my Twitter just the other day. I said, there is superhero fatigue when it comes to mediocre films. That mediocrity that we, in a way, watch time and time again whenever we watch a completely different movie or something that has been going on, has been promoted for X amount of years. The thing is, we hold super we hold superhero movies to a very high standard because we know exactly how good a movie can be. Case in point, Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, The Batman and Dark Knight, Spider-Man the Animated Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2, you know, Guardians 1 and 2, 3, you know, mid, but that's completely up to you. Name Iron Man, name any great film when it comes to the superhero genre, a comic book genre, there are great films. And we hold that to high standards because we want to feel exactly what we felt, at least during that time. It doesn't have to be epic. It, well, I'm, scratch that. It does have to be epic. It doesn't have to be big and grander. It's about telling a story. 
It's about telling a great story for us to connect to the characters, root for the characters, and we want to feel something. We want to feel, you know, happy and sad and, and content from start to finish. Every time we pay our hard-earned money to go and watch a movie or even watch it on our couch on HBO Max or Disney Plus or wherever you get your streaming services. And yet, we get a movie like this, the writing is all over the place. Now, for those of you that don't know what The Flash is about, slight spoilers, by the way, it is loosely based on the comic book from Flashpoint about Barry Allen going back in time to try to save his mother. But because he did that, he ends up creating a time boom, changing everything from that part forward. Therefore, it creates a little bit of a multiverse. Let me stop right there for a second. I hate the multiverse storylines now. I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. And the reason why I say that is because we're already going through it many times over within the MCU. We've kind of already gone through that. And if you're a hardcore Arrowverse fan or CW-verse fan, if you love watching the TV shows, you should know that the Crisis on Infinite Earths that has to do with Arrow and Flash and uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl and all these other shows that belong to the CW-verse category, there's the multiverse from that perspective. So the fact that we're watching a movie about another multiverse and not really about the origins of the Flash, which means we don't get reverse Flash, we don't get, we barely get, um, I forgot the girlfriend's name. I, I was going to say Wally West, but it's not Wally West. <laughs> I completely forgot the girlfriend's name. We we do get her in this movie, but it's like, eh, we get, we get a little bit of her. Eh, just a little bit. My point is this. This movie is based, loosely based, on the Flashpoint storyline. And it was DC's way in order to reboot the entire franchise, the entire aspect of the, of the entire Snyderverse. Which I have to say, I'm actually glad that it's over with, the Zack Snyderverse. I don't know about you, but let's be honest, a lot of those movies were never good from the very beginning. Enjoyable, can be enjoyable. But a lot of them were not really that good. You had a few gems here and there. You had Wonder Woman, Aquaman that made over a billion dollars, The Suicide Squad, even though Warner did a terrible decision to release both that on the theater and on HBO Max, which is one of the main reasons why it didn't really do so well at the global box office, but that's neither here nor there. And then you have a lot of the other dumpster fires. I mean, let's look at the past few films. You had the last three films. You had The Suicide Squad, which I just explained why it didn't do so well. You had Black Adam. That didn't even cross over $500 million at the global box office. And that movie has been trying to be made and promoted for the past 10 years, maybe more. And then after that, we had Shazam 2. And I'm going to be honest, I still didn't even watch it because I kind of have no interest in it. It's literally on HBO Max right now, and I put it onto my watch later type list. And if I'm that bored, or if I'm working on marketing, and I may put it as background noise. That's where I am now with a lot of these superhero films. The movie has to be interesting enough for me to, for me to even watch it. 
But let's get back to the Flash real quick. You understand what I'm trying to say? DC, and let's put in Marvel as well, they have not been having a great track record in order to promote and to even make these films. So we have to ask the question, why did it bomb? I mean, come on, you had Michael Keaton's Batman in it. You had a new Supergirl, Sasha Kaye's Supergirl, which I think they both did a tremendous, awesome job, but they were barely in it. You could, you could be the type of person that could try to rely on Michael Keaton's Batman and the fact that it's nostalgia baiting, which is exactly the point. And me personally, I love nostalgia. I love watching Michael Keaton's Batman kicking ass. The fact that he could do what he couldn't do 30 years ago with Tim Burton's films. Oh my God, he looked fantastic. But you can only get through so much. You can't just rely on one aspect alone of nostalgia baiting in order to save the entire film. You just can't. And don't get me wrong, it's not that nostalgia... Okay, we're at a point now in Hollywood where nostalgia is one of the main things that a lot of people like to rely on. And for some, it actually works. Case in point, Spider-Man No Way Home. This had nostalgia, but... It also had a story that focused mainly on Tom Holland's Spider-Man and his growth and his character arc from the beginning all the way to the end with the help of the either of the other Spider-Men that we knew from the past. And it worked. It worked greatly. Another case in point in terms of why nostalgia would not do so well, you would have to look at Jurassic World Dominion. I'm I tell you, you look at that movie from start to finish, there was no reason why the six of those characters were even there to begin with. You got your legacy characters, and then you got the others, and then you put them all together, and then you're like, why are we doing this? Why are we all here? It was a bore fest. So nostalgia baiting and nostalgia for movies actually works when the story permits it to, and when the story actually makes sense. And for this, for The Flash, it actually does make sense. But it was not enough. Sayakaya Supergirl, very different from Supergirl from what we've gotten from the CW show. And if you remember the movies from, I believe it was the 80s or 90s, or I honestly don't don't remember when. I'm sure it was the 70s or 80s. Don't quote me on that if I get that mistaken. From that Supergirl all the way from back then, I mean, you barely remember what it is about. And this Supergirl, which I will say as a slight Easter egg, is actually the look, the, her aesthetic and her looks is actually from an alternate timeline from the, the DC comic books Injustice, where Superman, who has gone rogue and has turned into a villain, actually would have a flashback and it would be his daughter, Laura, Laura Kent. So there's a little bit of an Easter egg right there. But my point is this. This Supergirl has actually done a phenomenal job. And to me, is the closest representation of what Supergirl is supposed to be. A Supergirl that is concerned over her cousin. A Supergirl that doesn't really trust humans that much. A Supergirl that loves to kick ass. Not loves to kick ass, but fucking kicks ass and we love it. And a Supergirl that evokes the rage that she feels when it comes to other Kryptonians. 
This Supergirl played that part greatly. Here's the problem. We barely get enough of her. Now, the entire process of the Flash in general for him to go back in time and him dealing, because we have seen this in the trailers, with him dealing with a younger Barry Allen who was way more annoying than he is now, and watch both of them go through their character arcs, I have to admit, it was interesting to see. And the fact that we actually did get a few emotional points and a few emotional moments towards the ending of the film, there's an enjoyment to that. But, but, we have to go back to the age-old question. Why did this movie bomb? Is it superhero fatigue? It's subjective to you. We're just tired of mediocre films. Could it be the Ezra Miller controversies? And all the controversies that he's gone through with the with being a cult leader, with him threatening to murder another family, with him choking a woman out. Yeah, and this was years ago, and I even just found that video months prior around, what, what was it, COVID times? It happened before then. And no repercussions were, were given to him in any way, shape, or form. I guess he was arrested, I guess he did a little bit of time, but what does that even mean at this point when it comes to high-level celebrities? See, it's the issue that we're going through, especially with Jonathan Major's Kang the Conqueror. Whenever you have an A-list actor, or even an actor that is the focal point of your entire story, and they can't promote the movie... They can't go on press tours. They can't do anything about it. It becomes a problem. It becomes a huge issue. And let's not kid ourselves here. There are a lot of people to this day that cannot separate the art from the artist. And I don't blame them. If you were to show me, if you showed me right now a, someone that I follow or someone that I greatly respect for X amount of time and they did some bullshit behind the scenes, no way am I going to support what they do within their craft. You can respect it. You can somehow enjoy it. But then there's going to be that part of you that's going to be like, well, fuck this guy or fuck this girl. I want nothing to do with their movies. Amber Heard is a classic example. Amber Turd is a classic example. There are a lot of people now that are boycotting Aquaman 2 if she's still in it because of the bullshit of what she went through with Johnny Depp. Another example that I would have to give you, let's look at MMA for example, Conor McGregor. When Conor McGregor threw that that dolly onto a bus and shattered the glass and and he was in New York City and shattered the glass and basically injured other fighters. And I think there was one fighter that had glass in his eyes. We had a female fighter that was traumatized from that point on. I was a huge Conor McGregor fan. And since, and since then, I'm like, yo, fuck this guy, man. John Jones. Classic example, John Jones. One of the biggest fuck-ups ever in the history of mixed martial arts. DUIs. Multiple stuff that goes on, possibly abused his wife, ran into a pregnant woman and broke her arm. Yeah, this was a hit and run. Got popped for PEDs. But I'm supposed to be a fan of his work inside the cage when he did all this bullshit behind the scenes? Really? 
why should I pay money to support his work in order for in order to benefit him or them or her or whatever? Now, I may be a little bit of a hypocrite here because I do remember stating months ago, well, years ago, that you have to separate the art from the artist. And sometimes, oh, my tummy is rumbling. Sometimes it's very, very hard to do that when it comes to someone that you want to root for, but you can't get what they've done behind the scenes out of your head. So... Yeah, I can be a hypocrite, and I admit it. I can be a hypocrite when it comes to things like that. And it sucks. Do I want this do I want to support these actors and their product? Absolutely. But there has to come to a point where I guess it's what we feel in the moment. It's like I say all the time, and this has been very consistent. Equality doesn't work for everybody. We don't view everything exactly the same. Just because you treat something one way doesn't mean that you treat it another similarly. And you can list a bunch of reasons in terms of why that never works. See, the thing is, this movie did not do very well. And you can have a lot of actors... That would promote the movie because word of mouth spreads. It is a form of marketing. You can have tons of actors, including James Gunn, to say, this movie is the best movie ever in the history, the number one movie in all in the entire world, and the number one movie in cinema, and you know what trailers do from time to time. But until you actually see it, will there be people at the outside after that movie comes out and say, I am going to watch that movie again? I am going to pay more money in order to watch that movie again on the big screen because that's how much I loved it and that's how much I enjoyed it. How many people are really saying that right now? How many people are actually coming out and say on their social media or within their friends or whatever, yo, you need to check this movie out. It is fantastic. I'm pretty sure it's barely anybody. And we come to this point right now and oh, before I even wrap up on this topic, the horrible CGI, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I mean, I get it. I get it. We have been getting numerous reports behind the scenes that a lot of visual effect artists are overworked and they're barely getting paid. Hell, it's why we're doing the writer's strike right now. And until that gets resolved, there's barely going to be anything new coming aboard. I get it. I understand. And. As a, as a creator myself, as a content creator myself, I have experienced burnout so much, especially when it comes to creating any form of content. When you're barely, you know, one person tacking on so many things behind the scenes and you're working endlessly, hours upon hours. But holy shit, you would have had better chance in terms of delaying this movie and just fixing up the CGI, because it is abysmal, oh my god, oh, it's so bad, there's this one scene where the young Flash is actually turning over to look at the main Flash, and his mask is literally like, you know, sideways, and the face, and oh my goodness, and not to mention the cameos, quote-unquote, the cameos, what the hell was that? Oh my goodness. 
And, you know, this is drawn parallel to it. We've seen and we've been hearing reports on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse where there are a lot of people that's been working tirelessly for their visual effects. And in animation, it's even harder because you have to compose all of that with so many different animation styles. It's not easy to pull off, especially for a two-hour-plus film. That is not easy. Especially when you are creating a movie that is so reliant, heavily reliant on its art style and animation style. So I can understand that perspective and why they need more time to perfect that. And yeah, if, you're go- if they're going to be overworked like that, pay them. Compensate them. They deserve the money. They brought the miraculous things of what we see to our eyes and for us, the viewers, the audience. But this, this movie, a movie that you've been working on for X amount of years, five plus years, if that has been delayed numerous times already. You give us that? No, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Mm -mm. I place heavy blame on the studio on that one. You gotta give it more time. If it's not ready, we are already numb to the fact that movies are going to get delayed. So delay it. Work on it. And I understand me not working behind the scenes of a film. It's easy for me to say. And and I'm sure someone on this podcast, someone listening to be like, well, Garcia, you don't know what they've gone through. You don't know what they're going through behind the scenes. You know, they, they could be overworked. I get that. What I'm saying is, if it's not perfect, don't release it. If it's not up to par, don't release it. And no, don't be that guy, Andy Muschietti, the director of this movie. Don't be that guy that after the movie is done and we we have crit- criticized and, you know, basically talk about this movie and talk about the problems and what it can be done to be better. Don't come out of nowhere and say, well, the CGI was actually done on purpose. The horrible CGI was actually done on purpose. What? Dude, just take the L, take responsibility, just just say something along the lines of, listen guys, we fucked up, we realized that it's not 100% perfect, we tried to do the best we can, I promise you in the next movie we'll do even better, we will correct the mistakes, it's our bad, and... We hope that you appreciate the movie that we are giving to you and it's still fun for you to enjoy. At least then, at least then, at that time, we would be more understanding and we would actually accept you because you took it on the chin like a man. You took it, you realized what the fuck up was, you realized your mistakes, and you realized what you can do to make it better... And you're acknowledging our concerns, you're communicating with us, you're engaging with us, and then we can be like, you know what, thank you for seeing it from our point of view, we will support you in every step of the way. But when you come out of nowhere and say that this particular stupid thing was done on purpose, that becomes a problem. When you have something stupid... When you make something stupid and you are acknowledging that it is stupid, it doesn't make it less stupid. 
It really doesn't. It kind of makes you kind of, depending on the intent, and everything is subjective, I get that. It kind of makes you look foolish. That's like me coming out of nowhere on my voiceover project, and I am providing a voiceover project for a high-paying client, and they come back to me, and they're like, what the fuck is this? And I would tell them, well, actually, uh, uh, that was actually done on purpose. A lot of ambient sound, of the, the mouth clicks, and the, you know, slating when I'm not supposed to slate, and uh, 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 the fact that I'm adding words in. It was actually supposed to be that way. They would look at me and they're like, yeah, you're fired. Get out of here. I'm going to find someone else. That doesn't make me clever. It makes me foolish. It makes me stupid. I don't know. If you've watched this movie, I hope you enjoyed it. Me, I, it was mid. It was mid. I enjoyed Batman. I enjoyed Supergirl. Anything outside of that, I didn't care. I didn't care. And this marks, well, towards marking the end of the Snyderverse, we still have one more movie that we need to watch. Actually, two, because I don't really know if Blue Beetle is part of the Snyderverse or part of James Gunn when he says, well, this is actually the first movie of the DCU. Mm, no. I don't buy that. James Gunn, I love you, and I understand that you're trying to do this in order to promote your movies, and you want to disassociate what's going on with the DC, what's been going on with the DCEU from the DCU, your DCU. I get it, but I'm kind of calling bullshit on that. I'm kind of calling bullshit. I'm kind of calling bullshit. I love you, James Gunn, but bullshit. That's all there is to it, really. I know we have a few more minutes, so I do want to say real quick, huge congratulations to, what's his name? My goodness, I got to get this right. David Cornsweat and Rachel Bros- Brosnahan, Brosnahan? Bro- Brosnahan, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name, for being our new Superman and Lois Lane in the DC Universe for Superman Legacy that will be coming out hopefully within the next couple of years or so. Huge congratulations to them. If you have not heard of them, David Cornsweat, he was in Pearl. He was in the movie Hollywood. And I believe, or I think that was a show. I don't remember if that was a show or a movie. And he was also in Affairs of State. So if you have not seen his work, go check out those three things that I just mentioned. Pearl, Hollywood, and Affairs of State. David Cornsweat, our new Superman, our new Clark Kent. And I have to and I have to say, he looks like a Clark Kent. I, I, oh, good. Oh, good. Look at that, you know, rumbling in the background. <laughs> he actually looks like a Clark Kent. He looks like a Superman. I mean, he looks the part. He kind of looks like Henry Cavill a little bit. And, you know, I can't wait to see what he can do. Huge congratulations to him. And Rachel Brosnahan, the the main actress from The Marvelous Miss Maisel and one of the main actresses for House of Cards, congratulations to her. Huge congratulations. Emmy Award winner, multiple-time nominee for Emmys. What? She can act? She looks the part? I can't wait to see what you see. And this is why I this is why I stand liberty with James Gunn and I stand liberty with everything that he does because he is taking this seriously. 
and by god damn it i think we're finally going to get get one of the greatest superman films that we'll ever see it's not that i hate men of steel but Zack snyder come on come on come on it's time for us to move on and enjoy for what we enjoy and that's all there is to it Last thing I want to say before we wrap up this podcast, I did watch Craven the Hunter trailer. I know I didn't talk about it right away as soon as it came out. And a lot of it reason, I don't buy Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. I don't. I don't buy it. I watched the trailer. I still don't buy it. I think this was a huge miscasting opportunity. I, I'm sorry. I hate to say that. And I said this on Twitter. I think the Sony Studios are going for a young Craven. Maybe that's the look. Maybe that's the feel. But I I don't buy it. <laughs> it's going to be very hard for me to watch the movie that's coming out this October, by the way, and actually accept him to be Craven the Hunter. You know who what I've loved have been Craven, Carl Urban. You know, a uh, uh, butcher. From the boys, Carl Urban would have been my perfect choice. But he's playing Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. I don't know what the directors are saying. I, I don't know. Craven, the Hunter, we're going to be going through all this with Sinister Six. Some people are already calling it Morbius 2.0. I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. In October, time will tell. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and comment, and like, and whatever you do on your podcast platforms. If you want to get in touch with me, if you want to do a little fan questions, a listener mail, or whatever, go to voiceofgarcia.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, and write down your questions there, and I will answer it to the best of my ability. I don't know what I'm going to talk about the next time. Maybe I'll touch upon Secret Invasion if I watch an episode or two. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hopping a little bit on superhero content, and you know, with the next few films that's coming out, I kind of want to enjoy other things and just take a break from it and just coming back to it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Tune in next time where we talk about all and everything when it comes to movies, games, shows or any other content in any way, shape, or form. And always remember, if you hear about it, and you read about it, I then talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe, till next time, and of course, have an awesome, awesome, happy Independence Day weekend this weekend. Please stay safe out there. Do what you do. Do what you love. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.